following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. This new series is called uh, Who is Jesus? And it comes out of the I am statements that Jesus made about himself. He said who he was, and each time he said that, he had this phrase, I am. And so that's what we're looking at each week, a different statement that Jesus made about who he is. And last week, we looked at his statement, I am the bread of life. And this morning, we're going to take a look at I am the gate. All of these are found in the book of John. But we all make statements about who we are. We make these I am statements all the time about ourselves. So you can say, I am this, and something about your personality or who you are or what your belief systems are. And you define yourself to the people around you. You say this all the time. And so I thought we'd have a little bit of fun with this and look at some pictures of people this morning and see if we can identify their I am statement. Okay, you with me? All right, here, let's look at the first one. Uh, I think this one's got to be, I am constipated, maybe, or I am about to fill my diaper. How about, um, what a sweet grandma she is. She's got her Sunday best. I am old, huh? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) uh, Doesn't it remind you of camping with your kids, huh? And mosquitoes and rain in Washington is so fun. That's got to be, I am hungry. I personally think camping is being homeless for a weekend, but anyway... Uh, this, I think, is uh, Jacques Chirac, and I don't think that's a real picture, but it's got to be, I am uh, smelling something. I first saw this picture, I thought he was uh, sitting on the toilet, but no, he's actually underwater, a swimmer, a diver, down underneath the water. This is an underwater shot, and um, I think that's, I am impacted or something. I'm not sure what that is. It's, good picture. Uh, this is the creepiest one. Um, uh, and that's, I'm hungry, I guess. And I need a hairdo, maybe. I'm quirky. No soup for you. I am angry. So, I am statements. The statement Jesus made in John chapter 10 is... I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. John chapter 10 and verse 9. Now, there's so much in this statement that it is impossible for me to unpack all that God says about himself here in 25 minutes. Okay, that's not, it's not possible. There's no way I can do that this morning. If I tried to include everything that's in this statement this morning, we'd be here till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So... Um, maybe we'll come up with another way down the road to add more of the teachings about uh, this statement of Christ. But today I'm just going to try and pull out as much as I can in the time that I've allotted here on this statement. It's just full of revelation about who God is. This began with a question. And it started in chapter 9, the chapter before. If you look at it, you see... Uh, verse 2 of John 9, Jesus had a group of disciples that were following him around along with some teachers and religious leaders. 
and he was giving them teaching. It was part of his mission to teach them. And so somebody asked him a question. They said, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now, this was a common belief that people had that if you did something bad, then something bad was going to happen to you. That God was going to punish you some way by your bad behavior. And they had read many stories and heard many stories throughout the Old Testament about this very thing happening. You, one of them is this guy who lied and lied to the prophet and stole some things. And so he rebuked him, and the guy was instantly hit with leprosy. His whole body just filled with leprosy as the judgment of God coming upon him. Another story of some teenagers mocking this prophet and making fun of him. And so he rebukes them in the name of the Lord, and two giant bears come out and maul these kids. And another story, people are complaining and and complaining against God, and then the ground opens up and swallows them. So they're used to this concept of God is a holy God, and if you mess with him, he's going to judge you, and it could really be terrible. So they had this fear, this intense fear that uh, their sins would be uh, under the judgment of God. And so Jesus came, his whole plan was to, to give man a way out from that judgment. an opportunity to come out from underneath that and live a life free of the fear of punishment, that God is going to get you at any moment. So Christ came to, to start a new covenant, a new agreement between God and man, a new way for man to live free from that fear. And so he sees this blind man here and and has a great opportunity to give an illustration, a teaching that there's, listen, there's a whole new covenant that I've come here to establish. And let me explain it to you in this situation of this man being blind. And so he corrects their understanding and he says, no, this man isn't blind because God has judged him. It's because the, the power of God is being revealed in his life. He heals him. And then immediately, all the teachers and religious leaders start to criticize it. And they start this big investigation to try and figure out whether or not this miracle was, in fact, legitimate. And that it was real and Jesus was authorized to perform that particular miracle. They, they interview this blind guy two or three times and they're talking to other people and uh, trying to determine you know, whether or not this was a legitimate, real miracle. Uh, miracle of God. And so Jesus realizes, hey, I've got to clarify this. I've got to give some teaching that they will understand of who I am and why I'm here. Because obviously they don't understand what this is all about. And at the same time, he wanted to, to, to bring a contrast between himself and how he felt about us and the world and what they were getting from the religious leaders and teachers. And so his statement in chapter 10 about being the gate was meant to be a contrast. Reveal who he is and contrast him between who God really is and who the religious leaders were portraying him to be. Now, he always uses, God always uses methods that we're familiar with. God communicates with us on our level. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. If you were going to go and communicate 
something to a tribe in South America. This uh, out in the jungle, unreached tribe, you would go there, and the first thing you would do was learn their language, right? You, if you're speaking a foreign language, they can't understand you. So you learn their language, you learn their customs, you learn all about these, their belief system, their tribes, so you can communicate with them on their level. And so this is what Jesus is doing. He's, he's using this analogy of sheep and shepherding. And because they're familiar with that. They understand it. And he's using this to communicate who he is. And I find it so fascinating that every time this happens, religious people criticize it. Every time God is trying to get down and speak to people on their level. You know, we, we uh, wanted to address the sex-crazed part of our of our culture. I mean, our culture is just consumed with sex. It's everywhere. Uh, people are talking about it continually. It's just in our face. And so we came up with this series last year called Pure Sex. And it was our way to give our presentation of what the Bible talks about it. And, uh, and it was awesome. It was one of the highest attended series we've ever had. People flocked to that. They wanted to hear what we had to say. But you know what? We got letters from people in the community who were really ticked off, Christians ticked off that we would talk about sex on Sunday morning. And so it just, it just, I don't know, it just, it fascinates me that whenever people are trying to communicate using uh, people's language and connect with them, religious people hate it. So to understand his Analogy that he's using of, of sheep and shepherding. I think you have to understand a little bit about that. I'm assuming this morning none of you are shepherds. I mean, maybe if you live in Graham, you have a goat or a cow or something, but uh, probably not here. Although the people next to the church have goats, and I I came in one morning here at the church and there was a goat running across the parking lot, but. Um, yeah, so I'm assuming you, you need a little bit of help with this, okay? Now, the people who are listening to Jesus, they didn't need any help. They, they got it immediately. They knew he was speaking their language. He said that we are like sheep. So you and I, were the sheep. He's the shepherd. And he says, literally, he's the gate. I'm the gate to the sheep pen. Now, of all the domesticated animals on the earth... Sheep are the most vulnerable. They don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They're not aggressive. They don't have a way to protect themselves against predators. And so when a, uh, a predator does come to the sheep, they will literally stand in groups and wait to be slaughtered. I mean, one sheep, two or three standing there, the, the wolf will kill one, while the one right next to it stands there, watches it, and waits to be next. They don't have a defensive capability. They are very, very fragile. Uh, they don't have an internal uh, homing beacon like a lot of animals do, where they, they know where to go, they, they know the territory, they know the terrain, they know how to navigate, they can go far away and rep- return back to that same location. Sheep don't have that ability, and so they get lost really easily, very easily. They'll wander off. A sheep will just 
put his head down and graze and graze and graze and graze and will go right off a cliff. And the other sheep right around with it will just go right with them, right off the cliff, and they'll all die. Uh, because they don't have this ability to know where they're at or where they're going. And so they need shepherds to protect them and to guide them. Uh, by nature, sheep are followers. They will follow. They, uh, they, they are kept in, in sheep pens, and there's two different kinds of, of sheep pens. Um, one is in the city or on the edge of the city, and it's an enclosure, and it has a gate, and there's a guard there. And what shepherds do is they take their whole flock, they bring it to that sheep pen, they pay a small fee, and uh, their sheep are there for the night. And you'll have three or four or five or ten different flocks and it's no big deal. The shepherd will come in the morning, call out his sheep, and they will recognize his voice and come out. So it doesn't matter. Mixing them all together is okay. You don't have to mark them or identify them because the shepherds would name them. They would say, this one's crooked ear, and this one is, you know, a brown leg, and, you know, different names for their sheep. The sheep identify the voice of the shepherd, so all they do is just call them. And they come. The ones that belong to that shepherd will come out. The other one is um, out in the country or in the wilderness. And I have a picture of it. It's just like a, a, a rock enclosure. And it has an opening. And the shepherd would lay in the opening. He would sleep there. And he would become the gate. So Jesus is saying, I am the gate and you are the sheep. And so you have the image now that he's creating for them. He's saying, I literally, I will lay my life down for the sheep to protect you. There aren't two gates. There's not one way in and one way out. There's just one way. And the shepherd would lay across that and become the gate to the sheep pen. Now, shepherds don't speak sheep language, obviously. Uh, they speak, you know, they speak whatever language they have. But the sheep are still able to identify their voice. And if you really, all else fails, you just get Babe the pig, because he knows how to speak to sheep. Shepherds were inseparable from their flocks. I mean, they were very close to their sheep. They would literally live with them, be close to them, because that was the only way that they could protect them and provide for them, lead them to green pastures, lead them to safe places. Sheep will not drink from rushing water, moving water. It scares them. They won't go near it. And so a shepherd has to bring them to a place where there's still water, quiet stream, and then the sheep will drink and uh, has to find shade for them. Otherwise, they'll burn up in the heat. And so this picture, if you're getting it now, reveals a ton about God. First of all, it tells us that God deals with us individually. He deals with us personally, by name. He knows our name. In fact, Jesus, in Luke, we see he gives another teaching on this, and we see that God knows a great deal about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. They're literally counted. God knows them. He knows or his, his thoughts towards you. David writes about this. His thoughts towards you are so numerous that they're greater than all the sands of the sea. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? 
that God has that many thoughts about you. He's thinking about you. We tend to think, well, I'm just one of a billion, you know, and what does God know about me? No, he knows you personally, individually, and knows everything about you. Now, he also deals with us corporately as a group. So God's purposes will unfold as a whole congregation, both individually and as a congregation. God will be at work. It really won't have so much to do with you individually as it does with our congregation, as well as our community. God will be at work in a specific community and the world, you see. So he works with us both individually and corporately. And he's speaking to us. But that's how God guides us. He guides us by calling out to us, to speak to us. And we have a hard time hearing that sometimes, or we don't take the time to listen, or we wander off on our own and we get too far from him. And so we can't hear what he's trying to say to us. We don't hear it and, and he won't hear it unless you listen for it, unless you're in, in purposely seeking out his voice you won't be able to hear it. You won't know his direction and you'll get lost. In June, I'll be doing a series called Knowing the Will of God. And we'll look at four specific ways that God guides us, that he leads us, and that we can literally know what God's will is for our lives. But you'll have to come back in June to get that. God also sees our vulnerabilities. And you know, have you noticed that when you work with somebody, after a while you figure out what makes them tick? You know, you figure out their quirks and their, their weaknesses, the things about them that, you know, they need to work on. And some people don't know what those are, but everybody else around them knows what they are, you know. And God can see those things about us. He sees that we're vulnerable. And probably our greatest vulnerability is this feeling inside of being afraid that God is going to nail us. You know, he's going to judge us for our sins. We, we don't live up to his standard, and so he's going to punish us. It's a very common feeling that you'll hear people, you know, if they do something wrong, they'll be like looking over their shoulders, so to speak. What bad thing is going to happen to me now because I've done this? Or they will, they will move away from God because they feel condemned. And so they won't pray for a while or read their Bible and, or go to church. Or if somebody asks them if they're a Christian or about their faith, they'll deny it or they won't talk about it. They'll be ashamed to talk about it because there's this fear that, you know, I'm just not good enough and, and, and I better watch it or I'm going to get it from God. And so he sees this vulnerability inside of us and he says, listen, I am the gate. So I am there to protect you. I see that you're vulnerable. And if you are in me and you're close to me, then you can have this confidence. I mean, this sense of safety and assurance and confidence that you're okay. God's not mad at you. He's not after you. He's not trying to get you. You're accepted. And you're within that sheepfold and you're under his protection and guidance. Now, this brings into the whole subject of suffering. Now, we don't have time 
today to go into all of that. I did a series on suffering, and you want to look at it, you can get it on our website. But he is our protector. When Jesus said he was the gate, he was seeing how vulnerable we are and saying that he would protect us, keep us safe. But he also made an emphatic statement. He said, I am the gate. He didn't say, I am one of many gates. He didn't imply that there was another way in. In fact, he said, anyone who declares that there is another way is a thief or a robber. They're climbing over the wall. They are not the true way. So he's saying, I am the only way to God. I am the one true God. I am the gate. I am the way. You cannot get in any other way other than through me. Very exclusive, emphatic statement. Now, there are a million things in this world that make us insecure. I mean, they're everywhere. The latest is North Korea, right? I mean, just at any moment, these crazies are going to bomb the world or us or somebody and are setting off missiles and stuff. And, and it's got people all worried and uptight. And, you know, they probably won't nuke somebody, but who knows? I mean, just, you, you know, with that kind of regime, you don't know what's going to happen. Or... Uh, financial fear and pressure. You know, at any moment, you're just going to lose it all and you're going to be homeless and you're not going to have enough food for your kids. And, you know, life is, is just hanging by a thread or, or in a relationship, you know, you're afraid your relationships is going to totally be destroyed and tank. And, you know, there's so many insecurities in this life. And Christ is literally saying, if, if you will find yourself in me, Trust me. Trust me with your life. Put your faith in me and stay close. Stay close. Then I will give you a confidence that you need to not fear these things. Now, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome? He doesn't say, I'm going to make your life trouble free. I'm going to make it so that nothing bad happens to you. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I will provide for you a security that even through those issues, you will keep your joy and your peace and your confidence. One of the most well-known passages of the Bible is Psalm 23. It's the most quoted there is. And he says, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. I, you know what I would prefer? I would prefer that we walk through the valley of lollipops, ice cream, and hot tubs. I don't want to go through the shadow of death. I'm just being honest. I don't want to go there. But I know that this life is going to lead me there. I will find myself in that deep, dark, terrifying path. But when I'm in Christ, when he is my gate, it says his rod 
and his staff, the shepherd. They comfort me and they provide hope, shelter, help. You want to offload some of your stress this morning? I mean, dump it. Get rid of some of that stuff that's terrifying you. And put your trust, put your faith in Jesus. He gives you that promise. You can put him to that test. He said, you know, God cares about the sparrows and the birds. But he cares about you ten times more. And if you'll care for them, how much more will he care for you? So put your trust in Jesus. It's so easy to do, and yet it's so difficult. <laughs> it's easy because it's a simple prayer. You know, you can just close your eyes, and you can cry out to him in your own mind of privacy. Nobody else you will know. And you say, God, I need that confidence. I am terrified of such and such. Lord, help me. Be my hope and my strength. I put my faith in you. It's that simple, and yet it does require faith, doesn't it? Because that you're gonna ha- you're gonna be tested. You're gonna go through that valley of the shadow of death, and it's gonna it's gonna be hard. But if you'll trust him, he'll lead you through it. These are his parting words. He says, "The thief's purpose is to steal." And kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what he meant when he said, I am the gate. 